Welcome to Simon Says Inspire, a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. I'm John Simon Sr. And I'm Dina Simon. Our guest today is Kathy Paper. Kathy is president of Rock Paper Star, specializing in coaching, training, and empowering sales professionals, business owners, and leaders to elevate their processes and performance. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, John and Dina. Yay. So Kathy, to begin with, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and yourself and really how you met Dina? Well, I'm happy to share with you how I met Dina because Dina is sort of a force of nature. And I remember exactly where we were. Actually, I'm not sure which city. So Dina, do you remember which city we were in? We were in Hollywood, California. Okay. Okay. So I thought, I th- I know, I remember the event. So we were at an event in a big ballroom and it was called the Speaker and Author Networking Group hosted by Larry Benet. And Dina was standing probably a hundred yards away from me. And I spotted her right away because she was wearing a super cute blue and white striped like skirt dress thing. And I'm not an outfit person, but I noticed her because there was also like a lot of energy animating from her. And I had met a lot of people that weekend and I could tell, I was like, I like this person. So somehow when I got closer into the conversation, we realized we were both from Minnesota. We kind of knew each other. I don't think we knew each other's names, but we knew the different speakers that we were working with. And we just sort of clicked right then and there. And when we got back to Minnesota, I think maybe six months later or three months later, I don't remember, we met up and I remember saying, you're not from Minnesota, are you? I kept saying, people from Minnesota don't dress like that. Like, you're so well-dressed. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where she's like, well, actually, I am from Minnesota, but I lived in San Francisco for a long time. And I was like, there it is. Yeah. It wasn't like it was just all about the outfit, but there was something about your energy and your presence that when we met there and that was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. So it was over 10 years ago. And John, part of the story too, is I had met somebody at the event and said like where I was from. And they're like, oh, you need to meet her and pointed to Kathy and said, Kathy is from Minnesota as well. So it's so funny. We go all the way to California and we have people connecting us because we're both girls from Minnesota. And then we left. So we did meet at that event and then we left. And then like six months later, I was having coffee with CJ Dubay, who is a friend of both of ours. And I was sharing with her something about being at this conference. And she's like, oh, my gosh, my friend Kathy Paper was there. And I said, I met Kathy. So then that's really how we got reconnected with CJ, who reconnected us back here in Minnesota. And we've been fast friends ever since. Well, that's a great story. Yeah. Well, and I am a native St. Paul, Minnesota girl. And yet I get asked all the time if I'm not from Minnesota. And I laugh a little bit because I think I do two things. One, I talk with my hands and I talk quickly. And two, I'm not afraid to say sort of when I disagree right to the person, which I didn't realize until, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago that that is what made people ask me if I wasn't from Minnesota. I thought that's what you're supposed to do is just is talk tell to people. people. Yeah. Yeah. And John, when I was standing at an event somewhere years ago and Chrissy Klein was with me and Kathy's uh, name popped up on my phone and Chrissy said to me, 
you know Kathy Paper? And I said, I do. How do you know Kathy Paper? So for podcast listeners, Chrissy Klein is my cousin. And um, Chrissy knew of Kathy Paper because Kathy Paper was quite the tennis star back in her day. And so Kristen was younger than Kathy, but knew of her and her reputation within Minnesota as far as the tennis accolades. And so it was super fun to connect those dots too. I I love that. I love that. The tennis people and the sports people come out of the woodwork. And, Gina, you know, you and I both share the strength of competition. And I just, I think that's awesome because at the end of the day, it is a small world. Yeah. And it's all about, it's all about the people. So, John, what else would you like to know about me? I'll share anything. I love talking. Well, that's good because, you know, in reading some information on you, you've worked with some pretty substantial corporations with Xcel Energy and Best Buy and John Deere and one close to my heart, Paramount Pictures, because the company that I work for, the Associates, at one point in time was owned by Gulf and Western, who at the time owned Paramount Pictures. So I spent a lot of time at the Gulf and Western building in New York City working with the people with Paramount. Oh, nice. Nice. I love that. Well, Paramount Pictures, that was an amazing project that that we worked on. We helped them with some of their culture at the time and went out to Hollywood and trained on the fish philosophy. And of course, I love movies. And there was something about being on the set and the location and, and just seeing everyone from the gatemen that let you in to the people working in the warehouse to the HR directors and all of that, that, you know, really made me understand how many people it takes to make a movie come to life. And of course, I wanted to know, you know, what celebrities had they seen? And I will tell you a little story again. I'm, I am a Midwestern girl, but I love celebrities. So when we went and we were having lunch in the, there's like an executive dining room. I went to the ladies room and when I came out, I was rushing to get back to the table because, you know, I didn't want to miss anything. And I was a little nervous, but I was, you know, doing this. And I bumped into a guy and I kind of look up and I'm like, God, that guy looks a lot like Jim Carrey. And I, you know, keep rushing to my table. And sure enough, I look back and I'm like, I just like hip shut. Jim Carrey coming out of the women's bathroom. And so I was like, oh, Kathy, like you got to remember where you are sometimes. So that was one of my. Well, I, on one of the trips when we were out there, Rich, Dina's husband, and his brother John and daughter Shannon, we were out there and we ate at the commissary. And in comes Henry Winkler, and uh, they were filming Happy Days there at the time. And Ron Howard, they come in and they sat there and, you know, they had their lunch just, you know, at a table, you know, not far from where we were. So you can run into a lot of people on the grounds out there, which it was fun just walking around and getting a tour of the facilities. Yes. And they kept telling me, they kept telling me like, Kathy, you got to play it cool. You have to play it cool. Like, don't fuss. And I was like, Okay, well, I love I love celebrities. And anyway, I digress. Fun. So you have worked with some really major companies. Um, so talk to us a little bit. But like you talked about, you were teaching fish, the fish philosophies out there when you did that. But talk about some of the corporate work that you do. So a lot of the corporate work I do, it sort of started when I was working at Best Buy as an executive coach and process improvement. Um, you know, really about how do you get the most out of people. 
And whether it's designing training programs to help people understand, you know, both their roles and what they need to do or doing change management projects, you know, getting people aligned and talking and kind of leveraging the momentum of the culture. I've done a lot of different things in there to get people going. And when I was first hired at Best Buy, you know, came in behind a lot of Accenture consultants and I'll never forget the gentleman, Dave Morish, that hired me. He said, do you think you can hold your own with these Accenture consultants? And I kind of looked at him and I, you know, I, I've been an athlete my whole life and I've, you know, been a captain, but I'm also a good team player and I'm a good competitor. I like to win more, but I'm, you know, it's, it takes a team. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, do I have to do really big PowerPoints or can I just talk to the people and get them to like be fired up? And he's like, He's kind of laughed and he's like, no, you don't have to do big PowerPoints. So I've done a, a couple different things, honestly, where where it's just figuring out what do people need to do to get more engaged and to feel more confident um, with what they're doing or to talk to their people um, in a way that, you know, some of the best teams I've ever seen, it's how can you get people to relax relax enough that they'll keep learning and growing, but also keep their eye on like, what's the end result that all these organizations want to give better customer service, to perform well, um, you know, to know how to do things. It's run run the gamut of, of different projects. You know what I find amazing, Kathy, is you know, back in the 1970s and probably the early 1980s, we used to have a slogan, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And it's amazing how today everything is done team-wise and everything you get buy-in from the people compared to the way it used to be in the 70s. And things have really changed and for so much for the better. Yeah. 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 I think, though, you know, what's interesting, John, is a couple of the projects, you know, since COVID really changed how do I say this? My grad school professor, I would always ask, how do we know our work has been effective? And she would always say to me, she, Christine Quaid, she'd say, Kathy, you can see it when it's working. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you can't build somebody and say, oh, you'll see it when it's working. Like you have to be able to show it. And since COVID, what I've noticed in change projects or in some of the coaching work that I do is so much of the conversation happens online and in chats and in side conversations and in places that you can't always see it, that you, I really found myself having to dig a little deeper to see like, do these people really like each other? You know, do they really trust each other? Do they really know how to make each other better? Or, you know, why doesn't anybody have their camera on? I mean, I know we you don't have your camera on today, John, for technical purposes, but, but I kept trying to figure out on some of those subtle things of, can I tell, are we making a difference? Because the the nature of online made it different to see, is this culture healthy? Right. Yeah. Huge, huge shift with COVID, with being able to read all that, because so much of it, is, as we know, is that one-to-one like interaction when you're in rooms with each other and your ability to read body language and all of that, where when you're on Zoom, you don't get that. You get some of it, but you can't get all of it. It's it's not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's interesting to see. And again, 
I think that's where for for leaders right now, you know, when I think about leaders or salespeople or any of the people I work with, I'm like, I'm always asking them like, how do you know? How do you know they know what to do? How are your questions? You know, or are you listening to how people are doing? And when you think about the strain that people were under the last few years, you know, people are sort of burnt out and you want to get them to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to work. Yeah. And so, John, one of the things too, Kathy was my publisher on my book. So she's published a few under her name and then has worked with other speakers and authors to help them with, you know, taking their their speeches on the road, books, publishing and and marketing those book launches and then creating training that goes along with it. So that's one of the ways that we've played together. And in that, Kathy, then you also specialize just on that whole relationship strategy and helping people understand, you know, the importance of relationship and networking and how to do that from emerging, you know, young professionals. I know you've done a lot with young professionals just learning, but then we all need to learn and remember how to tap into our networks and our relationships. And I think nothing was more... um, Um, impacted than that, like during COVID, like our ability to network and tap into those that we used to see on a day-to-day basis, like that was hugely impacted because then we were all sent home. So share with us a little bit about what you do in relationship building and how you teach people how to network effectively. Well, it's interesting. I think that, you know, if you mentioned back to when the pandemic, you know, first started, and all of a sudden people, their world got really small and like a lot went online, but there were people that like didn't know anybody's cell phone number or didn't know how to reach out anymore. Maybe they were watching LinkedIn on the side um, and didn't realize they could connect with people. So partly it was a nice time to, I had been talking always about how do you network on and off the screen? How do you build relationships with people? And of course, everybody had to build relationships online when the pandemic first started. And what I help people with is really thinking about how do you do that? What's that balance of making the connection in a way that people will get to know you, get to know you faster, um, to make sure you have a good, deep connection with people? And a lot of people would say, oh, I send all these comments out in LinkedIn and I never hear back from anybody. You know, I never reach in and they say, I connected with all these people and nothing ever happened. And I would always be like, I'd ask them and say, well, tell me, did you personalize your invite? And they're like, no, I just put put the invite, they're pushing the button. I said, they just pushed the button and invited somebody. And John, I don't know how much you're using LinkedIn, but it is the most impersonal thing in the world to get somebody that you don't know clicking a button and saying, I'd like to connect with you. And it would be like somebody walking to your front door and saying, I'd like to come in and have dinner with you tonight. Is that okay? And you you don't know them. You don't know who you are. And we have this odd reaction. And, and I'm a pretty open connector and starting to help people understand who are you reaching out to? Why are you reaching out to them? What are you going to do that's going to be reciprocal so that you're not just going into this where it's all about you. You're really thinking, how can I build a relationship where we all win? And again, Dina, I would say you and all the work you're, you've done through the years with Simon Says Give and now this po- podcast, it's um, always giving to other people. You're just, you're just a great model of that. 
Um, and people people forget because you you think, okay, I got to get this. I got to get this. We all have a sense of urgency. And I help people kind of find your footing so that you can be authentic. But yes, of course, you want to build good relationships where you can sell more, you can promote your career to the level that you want, or you can raise funds for whatever it is you're passionate about. But people kind of come on so strong because they're nervous that they forget, like, do your homework or anyway, I have a whole way of of helping people think about it. Um, but I just see, I see people, they mean well, but they just come off sort of like that. I always think about it as the kid in, in school that talks so much, so fast and is so boastful. And you're like, really? And then, and then you want to find whatever your style is. It's apparent you have a uh, an infectious energy just by uh, <laughs> the few minutes we've spent here, and it's evident. And that that really comes out, I'm sure, whenever you work with companies and individuals to try to help them improve in everything that they do. Because no matter what, whether you're in sales or operations, we're all in relationship businesses, and everything has to do with how do people perceive you, how do you perceive them. Yes. And, you know, it's John, it's interesting you say that I'm infectious because I was thinking to myself, actually, Dino sort of smiling at me and like, oh, no, I'm babbling again about this subject <laughs> because I get so excited when people, of course, I love coaching people. You know, that's my my greatest gift. And I like connecting people second. And I find that I get excited about it. But I also like to get people to find their style because when they when they put on sort of whether it's airs or they they over talk about their successes without thinking about the other person's benefit, you know, we all know that we just don't say it always out loud. But the more people can really realize building relationships is a win win, or you know, how do you support other people? You just you see everything shift, everything changes. Um, I kind of see it online happen where the more genuine people are online or they say why they're connected to something or why they're passionate um, about something, you see different responses. So if anybody's listening to this podcast and you're uh, online and you're like the people who only just like posts on LinkedIn or only heart things, challenge yourself to actually make a comment, actually read the article that somebody post, put the comment out there, and maybe you tag one person and say, hey, I'd like you to see this. I call that the assist. Hey, I'd like you to see this. Because what happens is I just don't think people engage in a way that that everybody knows they've got people in their corner or that they've got people they can reach out to. And you know, you need your network. Your network is one of your most powerful business tools. Well, as Dina said earlier, you know, when everyone was in the office, you would have that time, that personal time. You could go sit and chat with someone or you'd have a conference room where you'd have three or four people in it. And that's a little bit different today. Yeah. Yes, it is. And isn't the isn't the quote, is it what's the quote about your your network is your net worth? Yeah, your network is your net worth. Sometimes people think, well, that's just about your, you know, your money and what you're doing, but it's also you know, are you are you philanthropic? Are you connected into things in your community that make a difference? What do people know you for? Do they know how to refer business to you for things? 
So, because I actually just had this conversation with Mandy today, even about how to reach out for something. Because um, as juniors, now she's in her junior year, and summer internships, like you already have to have next summer's internship kind of solidified before the end of September, which is crazy. So we were chatting about that. So what would be a piece of advice that you would give to a young professional about, you know, how to start establishing your network? What's some of the advice you give? Well, I, it's interesting. I love, I love working with people, you know, early, early career. Um, partly because I wasn't the greatest networker in college and high school. I knew a lot of people, but I wasn't sort of purposeful. And so what I would say to people is be, be purposeful is be okay asking other people to either connect on LinkedIn or to share tips with you for five or 10 minutes or to talk to your you know, parents, friends, or to ask other people kind of for ideas of who do you know that's in this industry that you're interested in? And to both ask the question and to say, you know, could you help me? And, and you know, we all started somewhere, right? And just to do that, but then also I would say to to younger people to be appreciative of it. So let somebody know, hey, thank you so much. I connected with Bill. That was a great connection. Let them know what happens because people that I talk to when they say they're help, most people will help you um, grow your network or help you connect with someone, but they will remember you if you let them know what happened. And, and the goal is to build a network for the long term, not to build the network that like, okay, I got that contact and then I never speak to you again. You want to collect, you know, sort of collect carefully. And, and I do think as a young person to ask and it feels awkward and you're like, why would they want to talk to me? Why would I want to do that? You know, maybe don't ask for an hour, ask for 15 minutes. Ask for, you know, come prepared with, oh, I noticed you're connected to Susan, who works for WCCO, could you connect me to her? Here's why. They have a job posting that I'd really like to get into. Like, same way you would, you know, I always say to young people, I'm like, it's it's like shopping or connecting your friends to go to a party. Like, don't make it any more complicated, but but have good manners and a good strategy and it will pay off. Nice. Yeah. Great, great advice. I think you find out that people really want to engage with you and they want to help you if you do have a situation where you may need something that they can do to either introduce you or put you in front of maybe the right person to get an interview or even a job. And, and I, you know, it's so true, John. And the other thing is sometimes when you're, you're younger, you're like, well, they, that person didn't respond back to me on LinkedIn and, you know, I've tried and they didn't, they didn't respond back. Well, you know what? If you look at the person's activity level, they're not on LinkedIn. So that means you got to find their email and email them. Or as I always say to all these interns I've had, I'm like, use the phone. That's my first lesson on opening day is always, I'm going to show you a secret to business. And they, you know, get kind of quiet. And I'm like, and I hold up my cell phone and I say, use this, let them hear your voice. Like say, your name, say hello, let them hear that you're excited about this. And they're always kind of bug-eyed looking at me. And I'm like, yeah, use the phone. I have the same discussion with the five grandchildren at a time. And, and I'll tell them, 
yeah, we'll text every once in a while, but I really want to hear your voice because you can tell so much just by the, the, the way that they share things with you over the telephone that you can't pick up in a text or an email. Yeah. 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 We've had some interns too, whether it be Simon Says Give or for Simon Says Lead, but absolutely. It's like you actually have to pick up the phone and have a conversation and they'll be like, what? You want me to like pick up the phone and actually talk? It's like, yes, it's not just a text or email. And so it is kind of a lost trait, but those that know how to do it, it it's awesome. A throwback from the olden days. Huh? Exactly. Use the telephone. So Kathy, John had asked a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you said you're in St. Paul, but tell us about your family and a little bit about your personal life. Well, let's see. Yep. I live in St. Paul and my husband, Tom, and I have three children that are now, you know, last one's a senior in college. So that seems really weird. I just gave somebody the lecture that I got once of it's parenting is the thing that goes both the fastest and the slowest. And so somebody I talked to today had just put his kids to school for kindergarten and like second grade or something. And I said, well, I really hope you took pictures and that first day of school and all that. So super psyched of that job as being a parent. And I still play tennis mm-hmm. and we're going to nationals. So I'm excited about that. Yay. What else should they tell you? Well, you won't talk about it, so I'll bring it up. Tell us about the honors that you've received, pretty prestigious ones, the Real Power 50 Award for Minnesota Business Magazine, and also the National Association of Women Business Owners with the Woman on the Way Award. And I know you won't talk about them, so I'll bring them up so that you can talk about them. Well, the National Association of Women Business Owners is a really interesting organization to help business owners, I didn't, not until I joined it, did I realize that women business owners like couldn't get loans to start their business without their husband up until like, was it like the seventies? Probably. Like it was something that just sort of, when I heard it, it blew my mind, but I won the women on the way award. I was doing a lot of book publishing and promotion for speakers and authors. And that was something that I won. And I remember when I won it, I was so sort of flattered and startled and, you know, kind of couldn't believe it. But of course, I love recognition. So that was really nice. Then I won the Minnesota Business Real Power 50, which our friend Tamara Prado was involved with that. And what that award was, was, you know, they have all kinds of business awards for people that are working for large companies or big companies and kind of people know who they are. But this award was about sort of people that you didn't necessarily know who they are, but they were making things happen or were kind of an influencer or somebody that you might need to know what they were doing. So again, that was one that was pretty flattering to win. And in fact, at the time, I didn't really realize like sort of how nice an award that was until I sat Um, with my friend, John Stavik, who works at the University of Minnesota, and he runs Minnesota Cup, which is a big entrepreneurial program that gives away a lot of money. And he and I were both sitting there by ourselves where all these other people had tables of their whole family. And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "Um, I think we should have invited our families to this award. And we both kind of laughed because we we must have missed the memo that like this was kind of a big deal award. And 
I said, I didn't even think to invite my spouse because I knew he wouldn't really want to come or, you know, whatever. And then we laughed because we were like, oh, we wished we had had our our families there to celebrate because it was a really nice, lovely evening and super good award. And Dina's a winner of that too. So I am. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. See, yeah. you, you, you just don't, uh, you got to put it out there, I guess. You got to put it out <laughs> there. Exactly. You do it. You made a mention, Kathy, about you know women sometimes having trouble back in the probably 70s and 80s getting loans. And I think Dina probably knows this story, but there was a young lady here in Dallas by the name of Mary Kay Ash, who founded Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she went into a local car dealer to get a new car. And the salesman says, well, you bring your husband by here and we'll talk about it. And needless to say, he didn't sell Mary Kay Ash a car. No. Nope. And John, so I have to go back to my memory bank because Kathy, I sold uh, Mary Kay for a while when I lived in Dallas and got to go to like, I, I Mary Kay was like just arms throw from me at one of the national conferences, but didn't even, she was either a widow or she, because I think she was a single mom at the time. So I don't even think she had a quote unquote husband to bring in, like it was her. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that dealership sure missed out on all the pink Cadillacs that came after that. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think one of the things, John, it's interesting that you you tell that story because I do tell people when we're working on relationships is I say things like have as much diversity in your network as you can because, you know, while I love the, the National Association of Women Business Owners and I'm on the board of Teen Women, I also am part of organizations where you know, I'm in the minority as a woman in the room, or I'm part of, you know, trying to broaden the diversity of my network by age, by gender, by race, because what it does is it just, again, sets us all up so that everybody wins and everybody gets access to people or to different customers or to good ideas. And, you know, the more we can kind of do that, the more we can kind of see sort of things change. I was on the board of the Friends of the Public Library in St. Paul, and they are the fundraising arm for the library. And one of the statistics that they shared was that in St. Paul, where I've lived, you know, almost my entire life, that 25% of the families did not have internet access. And um, if you think about that, that was probably 10 years ago. You know, what that meant is kids weren't able to go home and do their homework when the teacher would be assigning something. And in a lot of school districts, you know, teachers know what's going on in the home, but the library was a place where there were, you know, study rooms and people were able to get access to the computer. And when I heard that, I just thought, okay, we got to do something like this is not, this is not how uh, you know, our city should go. And again, Dina and, and your family, what they've done to to help kids have birthday parties or to gain things that, that again, from a diversity standpoint, how do we make sure everybody wins at, at some of these things? So how'd I get on that tangent? <laughs> no, but we've talked about life leadership and how about about building legacies. And, you know, Dean always talks about the legacies. It's not only the future, but it's really the past and really what you're doing today also. So we're going to put you on the spot, Kathy. So legacy, and you and I have talked a bit about this. So what's the legacy that you're living out right now? You know, you were who taught me that word. I remember the sheet of paper and I, I looked at you and I was like, 
are you kidding me? I can barely survive right now, let alone think about my legacy. And I think my legacy is around that everybody have that diversity of connections. So that, you know, again, as much as I'm a competitive person and I really like to win, I want to bring the people in my network, I call it your all-star network, I want to bring them along with me or through me or I want to support them as as much as I can. Um, so, you know, my legacy would be how can I have some of the statistics in the communities I live in or the people I work with change so that everybody is successful at accomplishing their goals. Yeah, I love that. And I see you absolutely living that out a year ago when we needed a warehouse to have Simon Says Give. You were like, hello, why didn't you just call me? And two minutes later, you had a spot for us. So yes, you're all about trying to make fast connections, meaningful connections, opening up your network, and then that next level of you know asking your network, hey, so-and-so needs this, how do we help them? Um, and you do that fast and very efficiently. And that goes speaks volumes to the deep level of network that you have um, that they want to lean in and support you. I would also say, because I know you as a personal friend, you are building your legacy. You're a fantastic mother to your three children, as well as a daughter to your aging parents and all that you have been uh, faced with as they get older. And so you're in that generation where you've got your parents you're taking care of. You've gotten almost your children all done with. You got one more to graduate from college, but there's a lot going on and you've managed to navigate through all of that as well and building out your legacy through the people that love you and your family. It's true. It is my, I'd say that the being a parent is the greatest job you'll ever have. And the pay is not great, but it's it's not about the pay. The rewards are. The rewards totally are. And John, when Dina told me she was doing this with you, you know, I've got a podcast too. And I had my dad on with my son and my brother was just talking about it. I know he kind of wants to be a guest on it. And I don't know if we would argue or not on the, on the show <laughs> or not. So I, I'm a little hesitant, but... I don't want to rush it very much, but I will tell you one thing. The smile that I can see on your face right now that other people, of course, can't see. Why do you have grandchildren? Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard about that. That's when the fun begins. That's what, you know what, John, it's funny you say that because my sister's kids had um, two of her kids have had grandchildren. She's a new grandparent. And when we went and just saw the grandbaby, that's the second time I've seen her little Phoebe. I started to tear up. I was like, I'm an great aunt and I'm crying. I'm like, oh no, this is just so lovely about all of life. So Well, and and what you do is as you start living through their accomplishments, as like Mandy with Simon Says Give and our other four grandchildren, some of the things that they have done in their life, and you'll hear them in the future on the podcast, but they're what really make the life uh, important when your children are raised and then you have the grandchildren. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dini normally ends it with a question, and everyone that I've talked to so far has really enjoyed the question. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? What would I tell my 20-year-old self? You mean besides don't drink so much beer? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, don't cut back on that. (laughs) Um, What would I tell my 20-year-old self? I think 
I think I would tell my 20-year-old self to speak up a little bit more and to also, I think, have a little bit of confidence that it will all unfold the right way. I think I spent, probably spent some of my 20s wondering, what am I doing? Is this, I mean, John, I was an investment banker right out of college, you know, and no offense to investment bankers, but that was not the fit for me. So, yeah, that's probably what I'd say the 20 year old self is speak up and have some more faith in yourself that it will all work out. And of course, surround yourself with good people, which I always did in my 20s. You know, I have my whole life but maybe speak up a little bit more. Right. Love it. Awesome. Well, Kathy, anything else that you want our podcast listeners to take away from our time today? I think just, you know what, keep keep having fun and keep listening. And I love this. The whole generational thing is great. Awesome. The podcast time goes pretty quickly. It does. It does. Well, thank you for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate it and appreciate all that you bring to the world and certainly to my life and my family's life. And thank you. You're the best. I would like to thank my good friend, Kathy Paper, for joining us on the podcast today. I'll make sure in the show notes, you know how to get in touch with her. She has a last name that she got to play on as well from a marketing perspective, just like me with my last name, Simon. So her company is Rock Paper Star. And those of us that know her as a friend, we actually just call her Paper. So Paper, thanks for being on the podcast. As always, I thank my father-in-law, John Simon, for the conversation and for co-hosting with me. And until we meet again, thanks.